hello, Muppet fans! Welcome once again to Moving Right Along, a Muppet movie podcast brought to you by ToughPigs.com. This is the podcast where we watch the Muppet movie two minutes at a time and talk about it a lot. I'm your host, Ryan Rowe. And I'm your other host, Anthony Strand. And we're very happy to have today's guest with us. Introduce yourself, guest. Uh, hi, I'm Grant Harding, uh, a longtime uh, member of the Tough Pigs Forum. And uh, it's funny, you were talking a couple episodes ago about old friends who've just met. And uh, I've known you guys for over 10 years, I think. And this is the first time we've actually spoken with, you know, sounds. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's true. It's one of those things when you have... Uh internet Muppet fan friends, and you feel like you know people, but despite having never actually met them. It's unreal. Yeah, and I, we should mention also that you are a puppeteer. That's true, yeah. I'm, uh, you know, don't get paid much for it yet. But, uh... <laughs> but you know a thing or two about puppets. We'll see how that goes. Yeah. And <laughs> today we are talking about uh, minutes 77 and 78 of the Muppet movie, in which Max warns Kermit about Doc Hopper's deadly scheme and the Muppets drive into an old ghost town to await a showdown. And I did not realize that that was going to rhyme, but there you go. Ghost town showdown. There you go, the old ghost town showdown. <laughs> right. Uh, so we start uh, inside the Electric Mayhem's bus, picking up from last time. And I'll, I'll get to the dialogue in a second, but uh, it's worth noting that Dr. Teeth has a photo of Big Bird on the driver's side right next to him. Yeah, it's it's another kind of like did uh, did the mayhem meet him on the road too? That's a very good question because as we know from earlier in this movie, Big Bird is still just an aspiring actor on his way to New York to break into public television. So how does Doctor Teeth know him? I love the idea that, that like what Grant said, Big Bird's just still out there hitchhiking, right? And the electric mayhem passed him on the highway. And instead of saying, you know, I'm on my way to New York to pub- break into public television, at this point, Big Bird is handing out glossies of his headshot. Oh, yeah, that's so, what it is. Although it does look like he's in front of the stoop of, of one, two, three. So I, it's, uh, the whole timeline is, is, is <laughs> wonky. Best not to think about it. Well, the, the other thing, of course, is, as, as we've discussed, this is sort of approximately how it happened, right? right. Big, Big Bird is playing himself in a recreation of that moment. So at the time the film was shot, Big Bird was already an actor on Sesame Street. Right. That's there's your get out of jail free card. That's it's, it's true. Good. And I'm just it kind of almost looks like just a picture that was torn out of a magazine. So I wonder if somebody on the set just had a magazine with an article about Sesame Street and was like, hey, it'd be funny to stick this picture of Big Bird up here. Yeah, I was clicking around the wiki the other night trying to see if I could find that picture, but uh, I, I couldn't. I didn't huh. look super hard. Yeah, I'm sure someone out there knows. Uh, but something- oh, I'm sure. I'm sure we'll get some comments. Keep them coming, fans. Something I just noticed, though, uh, looking at it for this podcast, is next to Big Bird, I think that's a map. Uh, it looks like California in purple and then Oregon in green. Uh, oh, yeah. Looks- See, I couldn't figure out what that was. He has what looks like maybe some kind of little drawing or something to the right of Big Bird. But then, yeah, to the left of Big Bird, that does look like some kind of little regional map. That's interesting. Yep. They needed to fight, figure out where they were going. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. So, and then I can't really, so he has a little uh, potted plant also over there and it looks like possibly some little toy figure. I can't really make out all those other things. Were you able to, to, uh, I, I think there might be a pin cushion next to the little toy. Oh, is that what that little round thing is? In the shape of a tomato, I think. 
<laughs> yeah, a tomato pincushion. Dr. Teeth's signature tomato pincushion. I had no idea he was, uh, you know, so so crafty or so into sewing. Well, it's it's the kind of nice little kitschy thing that you kind of expect him to have, I think. Yeah, I, I, I'll believe it. I'll accept it. So uh, that's what Dr. He- Dr. Teeth has next to him in the driver's seat. Um, and as well as, as well as the keyboard, by the looks of things. Yeah, is that actually a keyboard or is it like, it's hard to tell. I guess it is. Yeah, he likes to, he can drive with one hand, one hand on the wheel, yeah. one hand on the keyboard. Chase music is one of their best riffs, as we will find out. Yeah. I think I always thought it was just like a picture of a keyboard, but I guess it makes sense that if the band has their their whole little space in the back to uh, to jam out while they're driving, he would have a little keyboard next to him. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Who needs the radio when you can uh, make your own traveling music? Not the electric mayhem. Exactly. But um, as far as the Muppets know, at this point, they've just been pulled over by an actual police officer. And this is where uh, Dr. Teeth is continuing from our previous minutes, rattling off slang words for the police. He says the cops, the fuzz, the P.I. And then Miss Piggy interrupts him. Don't you dare. And that is funny because people do call cops pigs, especially people who are hippies from the 70s. But does anybody <laughs> does anybody actually spell it out like that? Or is that just sort of done in service of the joke? Well, I've, just, I've never heard it spelled out. I don't, uh, you know, hang out with a lot of 70s hippies, but... Right, I think it's just Dr. Teeth just being a character. Yeah, right. and if he had just said... The cops, the fuzz, the pig, that somehow is not as effective as a joke. Yeah, I agree. Um, this always reminds me of the scene in Wayne's World where the the they encounter the cop and uh, Mike Myers is like, I smell bacon. Remember that? <laughs> I, do, I do remember that. I don't remember that, but I believe you. Uh, well, that was a thing when I was in, I don't know, whatever grade when that movie came out. And like, 1992, <clears throat> so. yeah, okay. So then we had, uh, we had Dare, the the anti drug uh, education uh, course that was taught by a police officer who would come visit the class. And when he would show up at our class, there were a couple of people who would go, "Hmm, I smell bacon." Of course. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, referring to police officers as pigs makes me think of the Muppet movie and Wayne's World. Sure. Uh, it, it actually, as long as we're reminiscing, it makes me think of an episode of Chips where they pull over a young 20-ish year old guy and he says, you ain't got nothing against me, pig. Yeah, there you go. That moment from that episode of Chips is burned into my brain from when I was about seven years old. Absolutely. More shows I've never watched. So when I, think, right. of, when I think of pigs, cops being pigs, it's always an episode of Chips. <laughs> But so so you said Piggy cuts him off, says, don't you dare. Dr. Teeth's next line, I don't know if you were going to discuss, is I wouldn't think of it. Yes. And I, I don't know if all of our listeners know what Wilkins Coffee is. Um, it was a commercial series that Jim Henson did in the late 50s. If they about, don't, they should. Well, they should, absolutely. Look up look up Wilkins and Wilkins. There's about 15 minutes worth on YouTube, and they're brilliant. Um, but the character who hates Wilkins Coffee is named Wilkins. And Dr. Teeth sounds exactly like him to me in that oh. moment. I never tasted it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so sheepish Dr. Just, Teeth is equivalent to Wilkins. Right. Well, and I think it's because in those commercials, often Wilkins will, you know, threaten him with something and then he'll reverse his position. 
and say something like, I wouldn't think of it. Like it's, right. it, it's a very, it's a very Wonkins esque moment and it's Jim Henson doing the same voice. So yeah. for whatever reason, it, it made me think of that character. I wonder how Dr. Teeth feels about Wilkins coffee. What if you uh, threatened to shoot him in the face? Oh. <laughs> I feel like Dr. Teeth would be a lot more laid back about that. Well, than give it a try. Um, but the police officer is not a regular police officer. He flips up his visor to reveal that it is Doc Hopper's assistant, Max. And yeah, yeah, so everyone's freaking out. Kermit insists that they let him explain. You know, Kermit, what a nice guy. So decent. What I love is that Piggy says, Kermit, it's him. Because Piggy has no idea what Max's name is. Because why would she? Oh, has Piggy never encountered Max yet? Well, she definitely saw him. He's in the barn with Professor Craftsman. Oh, right, right. She def- like, she saw him there. That's why she recognizes him. But what she says is, Kermit, it's him. Not, it's Max. It's She recognizes this guy, has no idea what his name is, and I think that's such a nice touch. Because there's no reason for Piggy to be like, oh, it's Doc Hopper's assistant, Max. Right. So, that's, yeah, that's good attention to detail. Yeah, for sure. Cool. It's surprising that Kermit's willing to uh, to hear him out. I mean, I guess he's clearly gone to some uh, you know effort here with the disguise and everything, so he must have a reason for it. Yeah, I mean, it really, it's so that we can get this to move the plot along. But uh... of course, like looking at it from Kermit's perspective, it's it's I don't know. It's interesting to me that he's he's willing to let him let him talk. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so then Max says, "This whole disguise is only so I could warn you." And the other Muppets are appropriately skeptical, but Kermit lets him continue. The question is, though, where did Max get this whole disguise? He has the uniform, the helmet, and a motorcycle, which the motorcycle has a siren on it, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Where did he get all this stuff? Did he steal it from a real police officer? Max beat up a police officer. That's the only logical explanation. (laughs) Right. Uh, the uh, the patch on his uniform, for what it's worth, says Metropolitan Police. Oh yeah, so, so it's probably know. real. It's from it's from Metropolis. I don't know which Metropolis, but a Metropolis certainly. The same one that Superman lives in, of course. Oh, naturally, yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think now. Is there uh, like I know Austin Pendleton wasn't in any Superman movies. Are are there any connections between Superman and this movie? Richard Pryor is in Superman three. Ah, there you go. A citizen. Of Metropolis. Wasn't Frank Oz a surgeon in the Oh, yeah. Cut out or something? Yeah. So there you go. There's so many connections between the Muppet movie and Superman 3. There are infinite connections between the Muppet movie. Well, I think we talked one time about how Richard Lester would have been a good director for a Muppet movie. And he was not, not the best choice for Superman 3. Although I do enjoy that movie more than most people. Yeah. Yeah, we could... We could go on and on about that, but I I agree, essentially. Save it for the Superman 3 podcast. Right. Oh, man. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. Go on. <laughs> um, where were we? Uh, Lloyd says it's time to beat feet, green stuff. I think yeah. That's about where we're... Yeah, so Max is telling Kermit that Doc Hopper has hired this, this deadly specialist in from the coast. <laughs> and... Yeah, which coast do you think? <laughs> well, they're on their way to California, so it the the west coast would make the most sense i guess but i don't know i don't know where you find uh, a frog assassin 
it's it, Max is when Max talks about how you know it, I thought he was just going to lean on him, but now he's got this this frog killer. It it, it reminds me of the the line of uh, Smithers from The Simpsons talking about Mister Burns saying he's he's crossed the line between everyday villainy and cartoonish super villainy. <laughs> yeah, that's actually a really good way to sum up what uh, the, the journey of Doc Hopper in this movie. This is the point beyond which Max can't follow him. Yeah, exactly. A- it also makes me wonder, like, what is Doc Hopper's end game here? Like, it, if he succeeds in killing Kermit, what's is he going to wave around a dead frog on television for his commercial? Well, I, think at, I think at this point he doesn't want Kermit to be in it. Like, he's he's decided if you won't do my commercials, you're going to die. Okay, I can see that. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Kermit's I don't think that I'm going to kill you and then also put you in my commercials. <laughs> well, I don't want to jump ahead because this will be in a, a future episode, but I'm pretty sure when they have the showdown, he says, all right, Frog, are you going to do my commercials alive or stuffed? Oh, yeah, you're right. So I guess he's willing. I don't know. It's, it seems very short-sighted to me. I think Doc Hopper is just a very uh, angry man. He's he's, it's, he's sort of gone Captain Ahab. He's not thinking clearly. Yeah, he just, the green frog is his white whale. White frog, Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and, and yeah, this is where Floyd says it's time to beat feet, green stuff. And when I see and hear a line like that, I just think, man, it must be so much fun writing for Floyd. I love Floyd. Yeah. And then uh, Dr. Teeth says, I love it. Chase music is one of our best riffs. But no, Kermit says uh, to tell Kermit tells Max to tell Doc Hopper that they're going to meet him at the old ghost town up ahead. And uh, the Muppets are kind of trying to uh, talk him out of it. Kermit says, I can't spend my whole life running away from a bully. It's time for a showdown. Well, and I like how he has to... uh, I feel like he only uses the word showdown because they're in an Old West ghost town. Definitely. Probably. If if this final meetup had occurred on the streets of Los Angeles, outside Worldwide Pictures, Kermit would not be saying it's time for a showdown. Right, and... We know that Kermit is a pacifist, especially at this point in his development. So we can kind of assume that even though he uses the word showdown, he's not planning any kind of violent encounter, violent confrontation. Although that would have been interesting if it had turned out like Kermit came up with some crazy scheme and it turned out to be like the Ewoks fighting the Empire in Return of the Jedi or Kevin McAllister fighting the wet bandits in Home Alone, like the little guy pummels the, the bad guy. I don't know, but that... Or Superman beating up on that random guy in a bar in Superman 2. <laughs> yes, except not really like that at all. <laughs> We've already had a bar fight in this movie. True. That's true, we did, yeah. But uh, yeah, we don't know what kind of showdown kermit has in mind yet but we can assume that it will not be violent i want to say something about kermit too because i i don't i don't know if you guys have covered this uh in uh, any of the episodes i haven't heard yet but have you talked about how the 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 kermit puppet was rebuilt for this movie no we have not please enlighten well, us well kermit is is looking better than he's ever looked before better than we've ever seen him uh, they rebuilt the puppet for this this movie. My understanding is that uh, from from the wiki is that uh, the company that made the fabric that he was originally made of went out of business and they couldn't get it anymore. Huh. So from this point onward, he's made of uh, that famous Antron fleece. But also, I think they they must have altered the pattern slightly too, because if you look at 
this movie was shot in the middle of filming season uh, of taping season three of the Muppet show. Right. Yeah. Right. And, uh, they use the Muppet movie puppet of Kermit for the, for the rest of the series, uh, starting with Harry Belafonte. And if you look at screenshots of Kermit, like in front of the red curtain on the Muppet show from before and after the change, he looks so much better after Mm. the movie. It's not just the, they must've altered the pattern. I don't have any evidence to back this up, but his head looks more sort of triangular and his eyes are more symmetrical with each other. He doesn't have that weird sort of flatness on one side of his face. He just looks better. That's cool. I am not the kind of fan who notices changes in puppets usually, unless it's really extreme. Um, sometimes I, I wonder if when I think I might have detected a change, if it's just like different lighting that they're using, I I feel like starting in the nineties at some point, Kermit kind of became a brighter green. And I don't know if that was a change in the fabric or what, or if it was just actually the lighting. Yeah. I'm not sure about that, but yeah, I, I had not noticed, uh, any major differences in this Kermit from the, the original Muppet show Kermit. Well, I certainly never notice in like the Jim Henson era. I feel like as an adult, when they've changed, I've been like, oh, Gonzo's looking too smooth or why does Fozzie have gray eyebrows now or whatever. But stuff that happened like in the golden age, it, they, they just always look great to me. I feel like. Yeah. Well, I think they rebuilt uh, most of the Muppets for this, uh, for this movie, but uh, Kermit's the one that really stands out for me. Uh, now, the, the second half of season three, although it was shot after this, it had already aired by the time the movie came out. But uh, this is what the, the rebuild was, was for. Yeah, and it's probably also has to do with the fact that during the gem era, the Muppets were mostly active all the time. Like, they were always working on something, whereas now they go a lot longer in between projects. So there might not be the the, the cause or the budget even to uh to rebuild and and improve the puppets all the time right uh so kermit is uh preparing to uh meet doc hopper in the ghost town we cut to the bus pulling into town and when the bus backfires it causes this horse skeleton to collapse oh it's the (laughs) bus backfiring i could never put my finger on what that that sound effect was. I think that's what it's supposed to be. No, that's, that makes perfect sense. Cause it sounds like a gunshot, but it couldn't possibly be. So of course it's the bus backfiring. That's, right. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I, I love that horse skeleton so much. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a nice cartoony detail and a great, you know, just, uh, it, it doesn't need to be there. It's not necessary at all, but it makes this reveal of the ghost town that much more interesting. It just adds a lot to this shot. Yeah, it certainly sells that it's a, that it that it is a ghost town and it is a cowboy, you know, abandoned <laughs> cowboy. Did that horse die standing up? Right, so, right. <laughs> I was gonna say that poor horse. It died standing up, and then it just stood there for years and years, neglected and just waiting Getting for. Getting cleaned by scavengers, still standing up. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's probably this this bus backfiring was the best thing that could have happened to it because now finally it can relax. <laughs> yeah. R.I.P. the horse. But um, I also, just before the horse, that shot of the Electric Mayhem bus driving into this decrepit old ghost town mm-hmm. is such a great visual, I think. The bus just looks so weird and enormous and out of place. 
in that town. I think it's just one of the most stunning images in this entire movie. It does, yeah. And and we've been talking about how this movie is the Muppets in the real world, like a very sort of almost almost grimy, gritty at times, like the actual real world. And this is a, a great example of that. Right. Although I will say Abandoned Ghost Town is, it's, it's almost like they've entered a different genre of movie again. Yeah. Right. Yeah. As, as, as they, as they, they like to do in this film, right. They're, they're sort of parodying movie cliches. So. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's far from the first time. Yeah. I mean, uh, never before, never again is an entire song of that. Right. right. I mean, <laughs> I, do you suppose they, they built this whole, uh, this whole ghost town set for the film or is yeah, it, was so, it repurposed for something else? Yeah. So I got to wondering where this was filmed and I, I, caught a reference in the 1979 issue of uh, American Cinematographer magazine that had a bunch of features on the Muppet movie where James Frawley referred to filming at the Western Street at the Columbia lot. And then later he called it Western Street, uh, the Western Street set that was used in High Noon. So ah, that, makes sense. that makes sense. Yeah. So that's a lot of... Uh... We've got a lot of homages to High Noon coming up in the next episode. Yeah, absolutely. It makes a lot of sense. So as far as I can tell, this is uh, the back lot, which at the time, or at one point anyway, was called the Columbia Ranch. Now it's called the Warner Ranch. It was bought by Warner Brothers. And they had this street set, this this Western street set that was used for a bunch of Westerns. And then uh, among the other productions was uh, one episode of The Monkees, which uh-huh. uh, there has your uh, your James Frawley connection there. And did he direct that one? Do you know? Oh, you know what? I just assumed. I did not actually uh, double check to see that he had. I think I've seen that one. Something about the monkeys and cowboy outfits rings a bell for me. It certainly seems like something they would do. Uh, the uh, uh, title of that episode is Monkeys in a Ghost Town. Uh-huh. <laughs> one, episode seven, and it was directed by James Frawley. There you uh, go. Beautiful. So there you go. And uh, by the way, I did... Uh, I double checked this with uh, Misha Hoff, the uh, Columbia Ranch expert who runs uh, an unofficial fan site and Facebook page devoted to the Columbia Ranch and all the productions that film there. So, so is it still there? I don't think the Western Street is there. They still use this backlot for various things, but um, I, I think the this Western Street was torn down a while back. That's a shame. Yeah. I, I guess there aren't that many Westerns anymore. Right. And a lot of the ones that they do make are going for more real life verisimilitude, I think, than in, than like an Old West backlot ranch set. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Although you could dress this different ways. They've made it look like it's just old and abandoned. But if you wanted to make a movie that was set in the time period, you could clean it up a little bit. Right. True. And I'm sure they did many times, such as in High Noon. Right. Right. Now, uh, as they pull into this ghost town, Animal says, showdown, showdown. And this always makes me think of an old article, maybe you guys remember, on the Tough Pigs website that our friend and Tough Pigs founder Danny Horn wrote. Yes, it makes me think of that too. (laughs) Yeah, when he went to what was an event, an unofficial event that was advertised as a Muppet movie sing-along. But really, they were just showing the DVD of the Muppet movie with the subtitles turned on. 
And Danny was noting all the many inaccuracies in the subtitles. For example, when Animal said showdown, showdown, the subtitle read chugga chugga. <laughs> I guess because Animal is pretending to be a train. Or you I, just I, want somebody to chug. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how you hear showdown, showdown in a scene right after they said it's time for a showdown and hear chugga chugga, but you know. Well, it is Animal's catchphrase, to be fair. Chugga chugga? chugga, chugga. Yes. Man, I love it when Animal says chugga chugga. Yeah, remember when he said chugga chugga to Rita Moreno? It's classic. Yeah. (laughs) One of my favorite toys is the talking animal doll that says chugga chugga when you squeeze it. (laughs) Um, Getting back to to the actual scene, though. What I love about that is Floyd saying the animal needs some exercise, so can they get out of the bus? Right. Floyd is going to take animal for a walk. Uh, and, but and, it's like, I think to like us as audience members, it's like animals just so excited for the showdown. Floyd has to deal with this all the time, right? <laughs> like he knows exactly what animal needs look how, a walk. Look how sort of restless animal is in that moment when, when Floyd says he needs some exercise. He really, he clearly it does. He needs some tiring yeah. out. Yeah, he just has all this energy to burn. Mm-hmm. The the whole thing about Floyd taking him for a walk, though, kind of feels to me like, uh, and we mentioned this uh, several episodes ago, in the earlier drafts of the screenplay, Animal was introduced into the story as Scooter's dog. So this kind of feels like residue from that, maybe. like Just the idea of Animal needing to be taken for a walk. Yeah. Although I, Constantine, talk, talk about a much more recent project, in Muppets Most Wanted, Constantine refers to Animal as a dog at some point. That's he? true. Uh, he also got everyone's name wrong, so I figured that was kind of part of Constantine not being bothered to get anything right. But Mr. Yeah. Tooth. Although early on in the Muppet <laughs> Show, um, and I don't remember exactly when, but early on, I mean, they did jokes about like animals wearing a, is on a leash, and Floyd is, you know, his his keeper his watcher yeah yeah i guess so all right so maybe this is just uh yeah all right this is a, a an origin of that of sorts also yeah. when the uh, when the bus door opens uh, dr teeth's hand is is connected to the uh, door lever that's not an interesting fact it's just an observation that is a great observation it's one of those things that you wouldn't notice unless you're really scrutinizing the movie like we do yeah who would do something like that <laughs> oh, and I don't know if we've mentioned before that the doors of the bus are uh, the doors of a phone booth. Yeah. Oh, that's, yeah, yeah, that's cool. I never noticed. Yeah, that's, that's a, a nice little touch. Like they just, I don't know, they lost the old doors or whatever, and they they just found the a phone booth and pulled the doors off it. Yeah, that's a really cool bit of design. Is, did it stay that way in, uh, you know, when the bus came back in uh, Muppets from Space? Was it still, still the phone door on it? I don't remember. I don't remember. We'll have to... Check that when we get to Muppets from Space, unless someone wants to Google it right now. No, I don't particularly. <laughs> okay. Well, I have a, another note about this scene. Um, r- right before this, Floyd, right before Floyd says he needs to take him for a walk, Kermit has asked everyone to stay on the bus while he goes to talk to Doc Hopper. Why does Kermit do that? They're all adults. Like, why can't they wander around a ghost town if they want? Not their chaperone. <laughs> That's you just talked about how he isn't in charge of them. He had a whole monologue in the desert about how he's only in charge of himself. Yeah, I guess I sort of figure he 
he wants everyone to stay safe. He doesn't know what's going to happen. And he, he feels like he has to face Hopper one-on-one, even though it's not one-on-one because Hopper has a whole mob of goons. So I, I but I, that's kind of how I took it that Kermit feels like it's something he has to do alone. And they all come out of the bus later on anyway, spoiler alert. So it's, so clearly they're not listening to him. Well, yeah, you can't control those guys. Right. Yeah. God knows he tries. <laughs> uh, Kermit gets off the bus. He wanders uh, through the town a little bit and he passes by a barrel. And as far as we can tell, there is nothing unusual about that barrel because that is the end of this clip. That is a nice That's looking that- barrel. That barrel is so fat that everybody loves it, and there's nothing funny about it at all. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's just a barrel. Nothing Mm -hmm. to see there. No, I don't know why we're even talking about it. I don't know. So, uh, yeah, that's all I have for these minutes. Uh, Anything from you guys? That's the end of my list. Uh, No, that that covers all my notes as well. Cool. So with that, we can wrap things up. Listeners, please check us out uh, at toughpigs.com on the internet as well as Tough Pigs on Facebook, Twitter, and various other places. You can find me on Twitter, at me, Ryan Rowe. You can find Anthony on Twitter, at Zeppo Marxist. And Grant, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, I tweet at Abstract Grant. And uh, if you like weird puppets, uh, which uh, of course you do, uh, my website is theabstractions.com. And I'm also on Patreon as well. Yeah, yeah, everyone should definitely check out that. Very... Uh, cool and creative puppet stuff. Oh, you guys. It's great. I love it. Yeah. And we would also love it if uh, you, the listeners, would give us a positive review on Apple Podcasts and tell all your friends about the show, anyone who has uh, any slight interest in the Muppets. And we will see you right back here next week for another episode of Moving Right Along. See you later. Chugga chugga!